I mentioned in the beginning, when I first started talking about the Anapanasati Sutta um, and, um, and how there are these 16 contemplations in groups, in four groups of four, and, um, and the traditional way of working with them is to work through from one, you know, bring it to some degree of completion, and in a very organic and natural way, it kind of opens into uh, the next one. Um, and having this <coughs> sort of um, map, road map of it, uh, helps us to, to see where we are on the journey. And, um, and Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu uh, also said that, you know, he, he, uh, he realized, he taught a lot of lay people, and he realized that not everybody is going to have the, um, the opportunity, the time, the, uh, the <coughs> just the, the space, mental space even, to, to really devote that degree of, of um, energy and resources and, and time and energy to, to working through it in this way. Um, it's, it's a very thorough and complete uh, and absorbing path. And he said, you know, there's, there's a kind of a, um, the uh, condensed version or the, the uh, uh, more shortcut route. Uh, it's not exactly a shortcut, but um, just trying to find the right expression. That, that you can, you can uh, abbreviate it a bit into two main um, components. And the first is that, that we do, uh, in working with the breath, in, in following the breath and, and, um, and bringing our awareness into the whole body, uh, so these, the first four of the contemplations, knowing the characteristics of the breath and then um, developing through the breath developing a whole body awareness, a, a presence of mindfulness in the body, which brings the mind to a, a quality of, of calmness and presence and steadiness, which allows us to really be present with our moment-by-moment -moment unfolding experience in in meditation and also in daily life. And, and so, so the first part is to develop this steadiness and stability of mind, of attention. And then the second part is to apply it uh, in all of our uh, activities. So in formal meditation and also in our um, our daily activities and daily life, and um, and the practice, the the meditation practice that is most conducive to doing this is called choiceless awareness. So, I'm, I'm sure many of you um, <coughs> practice this, this practice of choiceless awareness. Um, it's a, a form of practice that kind of unfolds, that develops as, 
as we uh, practice Vipassana practice. Normally, the way Vipassana is taught, um, a more or more commonly, uh, is that we're told, well, you know, to focus your attention on the breath in meditation and develop um, a samatha practice. Samatha means tranquility. And so, so the practice is when, so feel your breath, so it's similar to the beginning of the Anapanasati. Feel your breath, and when your attention gets caught up in thinking and planning and remembering and in worrying and um, imagining and inner conversations and so on, just let it go and come back to the breath. Just let it go, come back to the breath. So, um, so this helps to develop our capacity to attend, to be in the present. And it also teaches something really important that, you know, we get all caught up in these inner dramas um, in the mind. You know, it can be so compelling, right? You know, like, it can be in this argument with your boss or with your kid or whatever it is, and, and that you're in it, you know, you're lost. We're, we're lost in it, and, and it, it feels so real. And, you know, in our heart pumps and, and you know, et cetera. And, and, then, and then in meditation, all of a sudden you say, this is all happening in my mind. I'm creating this. You know, it's, this is really painful. Uh, I don't need to uh, be caught in this. I can let it go. And then having a meditation object that we can come back to, um, it's always there, the breath. Just feel the breath and come back to the breath. And so there's a degree of just collectedness of mind that develops in this practice by simply doing that. Just letting go, come back to the breath. And then, and then the, the, the Vipassana teaching normally is, um, so, so when you're sitting and you're, and you're feeling your breath, and then you notice that there's maybe an emotional state that's present, maybe you're feeling sadness or you're feeling anger. So then turn your attention to that and let that become your meditation object. Um, so, so rather than not getting caught in the story of, boy, I'm angry at him for saying that, and, and when next time I see him, I'm going to do not that. Just really simply, you know, bringing mindfulness and investigation. These are the first two of the enlightenment factors mindfulness and investigation to what is this anger? What, what does it feel like? Where is it in my body? How, uh, how, how is it unfolding in this moment, moment by moment? And so we're, we're letting go of the breath and really focusing on, on the, um, the anger as the meditation object, seeing how it how it arises, how it abides, how it passes away. So we're seeing the impermanent nature of it. And that's Vipassana, seeing deeply into the nature of things. But we're seeing how these states that we can get so lost in, how they can feel so overwhelming, that they're really adventitious phenomena passing through. They're just passing through. 
how can they be who we are if they're just if they're always passing through if they come and go and so we become less identified with them you know whereas we might have said at one point you know I'm such an angry person or I'm such a you know I'm I'm <coughs> I'm this or I'm that, you know, label ourselves, define ourselves by our states. And, and we begin to develop more wisdom and recognize that, that these are, that, that these are the clouds in the sky and, and that the space of knowing, the space of knowing is more, you know, we can say if, if there is a self, it's really that open, spacious, presence, um, you know, we don't call it a self we, in, in, in Buddhist teaching, but that's really our, our nature, is this open, spacious presence, um, which knows our experience moment by moment. And, um, and so, uh, so the, you know, the, the real difference in the Anapanasati uh, sutta is that is that there's a there's this light tethering of just the breath in the background um, and seeing these these states come and go and the Anapanasati also uh, gives a bit more description of of how the the development of the mind happens as we you know let go of these states and the and our our attention becomes more collected and and the transformations of the body, mind, heart that that um, that occur. So um, so in choiceless. So so I was kind of going toward um, describing the development as it's usually taught of samatha to vipassana, and um, and how you move into seeing the impermanent nature of things and then you know when you've been noticing how something is impermanent then you come back to the breath and, and the, the, the subtle difference between that and the anapanasati so so as we practice and as meditation develops the mind um, we find ourselves just more and more um, in a kind of a, 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 cl a clarity, a presence, um, the you know we're not so much drawn away. Our, our thoughts are not, you know, kind of pulling us out of our experience so much. We're not getting so trapped in um, in our emotional states, uh, and um, you know, like it's just it's just a, a development, a learning that you know we're seeing through. Uh, our states more and more easily and quickly, and um, and so a practice that uh, we can move into in a very natural way is is this um, a choiceless awareness. And choiceless awareness actually is not a uh, a term that the Buddha ever used. It's actually a term that. Um, a 20th century master, Krishnamurti, coined as to the process of meditation. But Buddhist teachers have adopted it because it, it's, uh, it's a very good descriptive word. 
And, and choiceless awareness is simply that in meditation we're sitting, the mind is steady. So, so when I say the mind is steady, I don't mean that the mind never gets, you know, kind of drawn into thinking. But, but you know, to a large extent, um, the mind is, is, is pretty steady and stable. And, and we're seeing, we're just knowing. Seeing is kind of a metaphor, but maybe we could, with our inner eye, we're knowing uh, the flow of experience. So knowing that um, uh, an irritation arises. Um, you know, we hear something or we, we feel something. A sensation arises in the body, pleasant, unpleasant. Um, we, um, uh, we hear a sound. Sound comes and goes. Maybe we're feeling the breath for a while. So phenomena are just coming and going in, in a field of experience. It's been, it's been compared, uh, a, a metaphor that, it's a limited metaphor because it's not 100% accurate, but because it lacks the sense of intimacy with experience. But, but it's the difference between, you know, if you're kind of caught up in your experience, um, where a little, you know, twig or leaf being carried by a river that's kind of, you know, flowing along and, and we're being bounced around, you know, as, it, as the river flows over rocks and, it, you know, it, uh, it, it, the, the, the water moves and then, you know, the currents carry us to the shore and we're, we're bounced off the shore and then maybe after a while, you know, maybe we're stuck there for a while and then, and then uh, we're, you know, drawn down the river a little bit more and we're really kind of at the effect of, of all of these different, you know, moods and mental states and thoughts and, you know, experiences that happen to us. We're really being bounced around in our lives. Um, and, uh, and there's not a sense of stability. There's not a sense of being rooted in, uh, in presence, in, in our uh, inner being. And, uh, and as we develop uh, in meditation, it's more like we're, we're standing on a bridge overlooking the stream and we're seeing everything that is passing by. Um, you know, and we're, we're not we, can, we can notice everything. That's, we can see the bottom of the stream, we can see uh, you know, what's coming, what's going, but we're not caught in it, we're not caught up in it. So that's, that's a, a bit of a metaphor that might be helpful, but, but there's, there's a more intimate quality to it than uh, just kind of looking from a distance. Um, and so <clears throat> choiceless awareness is, is something that, you know, when we, so when we sit and begin our practice, we, um, we would, you know, begin with the breath um, and, and begin, you know, and, and enter into the body, you know, 
sensitive to the whole body, the body begins to um, become more present, calm, we have a sense of being uh, well, well grounded, you know, that, that Tibetan saying that I, 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 I said um, earlier on in the retreat, uh, body like a mountain, breath like a wind, mind like the sky. That's kind of, you know, that rootedness is a beautiful image. And, and then in choiceless awareness, we're just, we're just sitting, feeling the breath, thought arises, it, it passes, you know, we, we may notice what it is, or it, it may just be just a little blip and we don't even connect to it so much that we, we get into the full-blown thought. It might just be the beginning of a thought and then if there's a lot of mindfulness, then it doesn't even kind of manifest into a, a whole thought. Um, sound, body sensation, um, maybe noticing there's a quality of heart that's present, you know, maybe sadness, grief, just uh, aware of that, present with that, opening, allowing that, then perhaps that dissipates. So it's just, you know, life passing through, life moving through us. Um, and, and this is a form of practice that we can also bring into our daily lives. It's, it's portable. Um, so, so we can simply, you know, be aware. We're in the grocery store. Um, we, we don't have to get caught up or feel the maybe kind of uh, bustling energy around us, so we can feel it, but we don't, we don't, it doesn't have to affect us in a way that we feel ungrounded. So, um, you know, we, we're looking at things, we're aware of, you know, so I pick up a pineapple, I'm aware of the, the texture of that pineapple, put it in the shopping cart, see people around me, catch somebody's eye, smile, um, whatever. We're just moving through our lives in a very present, open, open-hearted way. Um, and, um, and then maybe we get caught up in something. So, so it's, you know, it's not, uh, we do have this image of perfection of, you know, the Buddha, the Buddha is you know so serene and um, and and it's it is wonderful to um, to have that ideal to know that 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 reality of that openness that presence is our essence um, and 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 yet it's not helpful to to impose a, an idea of perfection on ourselves you know, that if we um, get angry or we get caught up in something that somehow we've we've failed. It's 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 all part of the journey and and uh, you know it's it's all it's all our learning and and if we 
And if in doing something and getting caught up uh, and, and maybe being unskillful, we cause harm to ourselves or to others, then, um, then we need to think about how we might address that, um, how we might uh, perhaps repair that. Um, the Buddha told his, his son uh, Rahula, they were taking a walk one day, he gave a very simple teaching to Rahula. Um, he said, Rahula, if you are considering doing something or saying something, or even using your mind in a way like to plan something, like an intentional activity of the mind, ask yourself first, will this cause harm to myself or to another? And if you realize it would, well, just don't do or say or think that. And he said, and then Rahula, if you're in, in the midst of doing something or, or saying something or, or using your mind intentionally about something to, to plan or to create something, check in and ask yourself, is this causing harm to, to myself or to somebody else? And, um, and, if, it, and if the answer is yes, then and stop, don't do it. And then after you've completed do, doing or saying or, or thinking something, ask yourself, did this cause harm to myself or to another? And if the answer is yes, then go and talk to that person if possible or talk to your, um, your, your brother or sister um, monk or nun, and um, or 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 companion in on the path, and um, and 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 talk about what this was like, you know, uh, and um, and maybe think about what could be done so that you could learn from it and and uh, repair any harm that was done. So so it was very simple discernment, um, but it's an ongoing discernment. Uh, so before, during, and after. I, I think that's, that's um, very, very useful. So, um, and then the other thing I just wanted to show you is that um, three very uh, good books on Anapanasati are um, a Mindfulness with Breathing, but uh, a Manual for Serious Beginners by, um, <laughs> by Buddha Dasu Bhikkhu. Uh, and um, Breathe You Are Alive by Thich Nhat Hanh, really uh, a lovely book. And, um, and then Breath by Breath, Larry Rosenberg, and he studied with Buddha Dasu Bhikkhu, and, um, and really his book is, in many ways, not entirely, but in many ways, a, a kind of contemporary 
uh, or, uh, well, Buddha Das is a contemporary, but he's, he's a, a Thai forest monk, and so he's speaking from a particular um, experience, which is not that akin to most of us, and, and so Larry's kind of more accessible in that way, and, and very profound. Um, so I'm going to put these books on the table so you can look at them. Um, so that, but they're just there for, for looking, and you can take the information if you want. Does anybody have any questions about uh, choiceless awareness? Uh, so not questions about the going home and all that, but just about the practice itself. Anything not clear? Or Say one more time the difference between the Anapanasati and then the, the, the other, so the Pasana and Samatha. Could you just, in a nutshell, say yeah. the differences again? So the difference really is that very, um, as far as I understand it, uh, so um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, say that, I mean, I, I've practiced Anapanasati. You know, I mentioned this in one of the groups that you know, I've, 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 I've practiced uh, the four foundations of mindfulness for many years, and I've taught it for many years. And then, more recently, I read the Yanapanasati and, and just found it very beautiful and, um, and profound, and realized that, in a, that in, in a way I've been practicing it in a natural way, because there's just this light tethering of the breath, um, which in, in the Samatha Vipassana teaching, more widely done, you know, you're usually told to let go of the breath. You know, that you just kind of, you stop, you stop connecting to the breath um, as a meditation object. Um, and, and you're just kind of more in this open, choiceless awareness. And we can arrive at that also in the Anapanasati. But for the duration, you know, of the investigation of mental states and, and, and feelings and, and so on, just um, maintaining this, this light tethering to the present moment of the breath, just feeling the breath, knowing the breath in the background, um, which can keep us from getting, it, you know, when we're investigating, it, we can get caught up and lost in the story. Uh, and so just this, this skillful habit that we develop of just always being present with the breath um, can, can keep us from, you know, kind of just creating, constructing a story and a self around, uh, around it. And also bringing it into daily life. Just feeling the breath, you know, that, that connection with the breath as we go about our activities in daily life can also keep us coming back to this moment just in a very simple way. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, yeah. Anything else? So let's do some sitting practice. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.